0: it's never about a deal it's always about the people and if you can focus on what people need from a transaction then you can look for the benefits that they're looking for and then try to bring those benefits to those those people are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever join joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you let's go
1: Every once in a while, there comes a service that revolutionizes an industry, and I am proud to say that our best ever sponsor, Cozy, is that service for landlords and tenants. Cozy simplifies the rental process for everyone. Simply put, Cozy makes it easy to collect rent online, to screen tenants, to order credit reports, to do all the things that you are currently doing manually. But to automate it so that you can focus on more important things like growing your portfolio this year. The best part is that Cozy is completely free. It's free. There aren't any minimums or any transaction fees or monthly payments. No other service on the planet offers this to you for free. And one of the things that I love about Cozy is that Cozy automatically collects and transfers the rent so that every month, You don't have to worry about forgetful tenants forgetting to pay you the rent. You can actually receive that rent automatically in your bank account, no questions asked. So you can say goodbye to paper checks, late payments, and all those lame excuses. And here's your chance to simplify your life and make more money. Join me and sign up for Cozy at cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, David Campbell. Hi, David. Hi,
0: Joe. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: Pleasure to have you, and thanks for joining us and the Best Ever listeners. A little bit about David before he gets into his background in more detail. He's based in Benicia, California. Did I pronounce that right?
0: Yeah, it's a little small town on the water in the San Francisco Bay
1: All right. So San Francisco Bay Area, and he is the CEO of Hassle Free Cash Flow Investing. He's been a principal or key advisor to over $800 million of real estate transactions from apartments to office to retail to hospitality, wineries, condo conversions, and even home building. And he, as a real estate syndicator, has raised and/or managed over $30 million of private equity invested in real estate developments. He's also the author of an ebook, Hassle-Free Cash Flow Investing, and he's got a nice little surprise for you at the very end of our conversation. So, with that being said, David, can you give the best-ever listeners a little bit more background on what you've been up to and what you're focused on right now?
0: Well, Joe, it's really interesting that uh, the best-ever advice, I, I think, is really. Uh, potentially movable, depending on what's happening in the market. So I, I've done a lot of different things in, in real estate because I was always responding to what was what the opportunity was at that given time in, in the economy, and and looking for uh, weak markets and trying to that are going to be strong, right? And weak opportunities that are going to be strong. So you know, in my in my background, I actually started out teaching a high school band believe it or not. So I I started teaching high school band and wasn't making any money doing that and really had ambitions for a more prosperous life for my family. And so I started investing in real estate. And uh, after about 14 years of of investing in real estate, here we are uh, today. So I I don't teach high school band anymore. I haven't done that uh, for about 10 years. But um, it's amazing what you can accomplish with real estate starting from very humble beginnings.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about your background post high school band. And whenever you first started investing in real estate, what did you invest in and how did you finance it and how have you built up the experience from then to now?
0: Yeah. So I work with a lot of investors and do strategy consultations with starting investors. And one of the first things that we look at is their eight essential resources. What, what, what resources are they starting with? And then where do they want to go as an investor? And initially when people are starting out, they don't have a lot of cash. Uh, But what they do have, usually, is a good job, good debt to income ratio, and a good credit score. And so that's how I started, is really, you know, I moved in with my parents for a couple months and saved up a down payment and I bought a two-bedroom condo, and I lived in half, and I rented out the other half, and um, did a little bit of sweat equity to make that condo a little bit nicer. Um, And because I was the owner of the property, and I got the tax advantages of ownership, in addition to the depreciation on half the property, because I had a tenant in my my home that I was living, uh, I was able to save up more money, and then after uh, two years, I sold that condo, basically taken very little money down, and turned it into about $50,000, which was huge based uh, relative to my salary as a teacher. Uh, and then I rolled that into another house, and it was a six-bedroom house. And I lived in one bedroom, and I rented out the other five bedrooms. And um, my five tenants that lived with me, my five roommates – they paid for my entire mortgage payment, plus the utilities, plus I got to live there free. So I looked really good to a banker because now I had a job, but I had no housing payment. So I was able to refi my primary residence. It had gone up in value. Um, this is early 2000s where everything went up in value. And I uh, took the money out. and They bought three more rental properties. I could do that because the loan programs were very liberal at the time. And I had a good debt to income ratio and I had uh, the money that I was created from the equity in my property and those rentals did well and then I 1031 exchanged those into more single family homes and those did well and then I 1031 those into a 30-unit apartment building near San Francisco that I converted to condominiums and uh, sold off those condominiums one at a time and I did very well uh, with that project and then that started my my bug as a developer. So as a developer, I I started uh, working on uh, different development projects but I had just enough experience and capital to get into them, but not enough experience and capital uh, to really take him through completion. So I, I put together a team of advisors and a team. Uh, to help with projects. And that got me into syndication because I, I needed uh, to fill the development projects I wanted to do. I needed to work with other people's capital. And so got into syndication and figured out how to do that. And now our, our company has syndicated several shopping centers and some medical office as, as a way of keeping the lights on, you know, despite what what's happening in the, the home building economy, which is my core business
1: for someone who has a couple properties right now, knowing that the the loan programs are have changed, but the mentality of if you want to get something done, there's always a way. Um, and I, I know based on your experience, you're you you obviously have to be a resourceful person. So with the loan programs that are available now, if someone has a couple rental properties and they want to follow the path that you just mentioned from going from a couple to scaling up, doing the 1031 exchanges, and then going into perhaps an apartment building, how would you recommend they do that?
0: Yeah, one of my early mentors, Jeff Lerman, who's an attorney out of San Rafael, he told me, David, if you ever find a deal that's a good deal, someone will fund it. And in fact, that someone could be me. So if you ever find a really good deal, And you don't have the money to do it, then call me and I'll help you put the the funding and put the deal together. And that was so empowering because then I stopped looking at my checkbook and then letting that determine how big of a deal I could chase. I just went out to the marketplace to find the best deals I could find. And then I let the funding, uh, I just reverse engineered that. But that being said, when you're first starting out in real estate, I call it the low-hanging fruit. And the low-hanging fruit to me is single-family residences. And I like for your first portfolio of properties, relatively new, if not brand new houses that are positive cash flow. That's that's my my personal uh, belief is a great training wheels to get started. I don't think you're going to get out of the rat race necessarily just by buying a handful of uh, houses, Um, but you can. Buy a handful of houses and wait thirty years, and then you'll be out of the rat race. I mean, that's a great strategy. But right now, in two thousand fifteen, the low hanging fruit is the ability to borrow really cheap money through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan programs. You can get thirty year fixed mortgages under five percent, and that is just an amazing resource. And uh, core to my investing strategy is finding properties whose cap rate, which is the property's ability to generate a net operating income, divided by the value of the property so that cap rate should exceed the interest rate on the property and so then you're making a spread you're making money on the bank's money and when I see people frustrated with financing it's usually because they have that number backwards they, they say I need to pay off my property because I borrowed money at five to invest it at four and that doesn't make any sense you gotta borrow money at five to invest it at six or better And so when financing is cheaper than your earning rate, then the more you borrow, the higher you earn, the higher your yield goes. And so leverage becomes your friend. So right now, for people just starting out, I would go find as many single-family homes that you can find that uh, produce a cap rate. Above the cost of borrowing, above the interest rate, and uh, lock in that thirty-year fixed money, and then once you get to um, ten loans, then your borrowing capacity gets a lot harder, right? The first four houses are easy to finance, and after that, uh, you got to get a lot, a little bit more creative.
1: I love that you called out the ability to borrow cheap money right now in two thousand fifteen because it's so true. Through the the interest rate historically is incredibly low. It's not as low as it was a couple years ago, but Big picture wise, it is. You know, for investors who are investing in the, I believe it was the late '80s or early '90s. I wasn't investing because I was uh, not even in middle school. I don't think <laughs> at that time. But I remember there, them talking about how interest rates were close to twenty percent at that time, and now we're at a point in the the economy where we have low interest rates, and I love how you simplified it and said, well, all you got to do is make a higher cash flow than the interest rate that you're borrowing at, and that's your spread. And I, I, I think that's just incredibly uh, incredibly practical advice for, for how to approach it. And we haven't even gotten to your best advice ever. So let me officially ask you, David, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Well, I think we led up to it, and that is... Buy very hassle-free properties, properties that are within your core competency to own, and that's going to change throughout your life. Buy cash flow producing properties whose cap rate is higher than the interest rate and get as much long-term fixed interest rate debt as you can uh, against those properties. And if you do the formula right, the more you borrow, the better your cash flow will be. The more you borrow, the better your return on investment will be. And so it, it's really a mathematical equation that the cap must exceed the interest rate. Uh, and then the net result, based on your amortization schedule, should be at least you know, positive $1 a month cash flow positive. Because uh, I, I like to joke, how many negative $1 a month cash flow properties can you own? Well, there's a limit. right? Even if it's only negative $1 a month, there's only so many you can buy because it starts depleting your your resources. But how many positive one dollar a month cash flow properties can you own? And the answer is an infinite number. You can have an infinite number of positive cash flow properties because each one of those is adding to your monthly cash flow. That's another, you know, tied into the strategy is all about cash flow. It's, it's really the, our, my best investing advice is tied into our, our, our brand name, which is hassle-free cash flow investing. And when you're investing... Interesting component of that is not trading your time for money. It's trading your resources for money, your resources of cash, cash flow, equity, your credit, using those resources to produce a return for you. As soon as you're trading your time for money, like flipping houses or doing development, both of which I do and I'm happy to do, but those that's no longer an investment. That's a job. You've you've traded your, your your time for a profit. Um, even if it's time plus money that is a profit, that's no longer investing. Uh, it's just a high, high pay job. So in a nutshell, um, positive cash flow, at least $1, cap rate higher than the interest rate, get as much debt as you can against that, that property that's fixed interest rate. And that is my best investing advice.
1: And I wholeheartedly agree with that approach. Definitely for the first property and for beginners. And there's no way anyone would be against that. Any sane person would be against it uh, by saying I want a negative one dollar instead of a positive one dollar. But I, I want to ask you one aspect of that because you know the more. Successful uh, investors. I speak to the more books I read, the more experience I have in as an investor. Where I started the same approach that you're mentioning now by a hassle-free property. Um, So I bought in 2009, hassle-free home. It was you know built in 1986 or 1987. um, No maintenance. I did the same rinse and repeat model three, four, actually three more times. But then I realized, wait a second, when I buy a hassle-free property, and I know you've, someone's asked you this before, so I'm curious about your response. When I buy a hassle-free cash-flowing property, that might imply that I'm buying a premium. Therefore, there's not as much of a value-add component to it, similar to when you did, I imagine, the 30-unit apartment building, and you made them into condos through that conversion, you added value and you probably made more than if you had not done the conversion. So how do you get value add plays with hassle-free investments and, or can you?
0: Yeah, that's a great, when you start talking about value add, to me, you're adding resources beyond capital into the deal structure itself. And to me, that takes it out of the world of investing and into trading and into development. And it's a job, it's a business. So those people who already, um, you know, they want to quit their job and they want to have a real estate company and real estate business, that's awesome. You can make a bunch of money in real estate, you know, running a real estate company. But if you are, as a lot of my clients are, you know, highly paid professionals, either, you know, doctors or lawyers or engineers or software people, you know, they don't really want to quit their day job. They just want to have an alternative to the stock market. They want uh, to have a higher yield and a more predictable asset. They want something that they can touch and feel and own. So I don't see that there are a lot of value add things you can do unless you're taking on hassle or you're trading additional you know, time resources, which, which is fine. You just want to make sure you're just, you, you've made that commitment that you, you've got a real estate business, not a real estate investment.
1: That makes a lot of sense, and uh, great distinction between the two. And there are definitely two uh, categories of, of, you know, uh, of focuses and goals. And it just depends on the person's priorities. Yeah,
0: and on the, the point of premium, you know, one thing I, I look at is if you bought a brand new property. For the first ten years, you should have minimal to no substantial maintenance on the property. I mean, you're going to have carpet and paint, and that's pretty much it for your first ten years of ownership. If you bought a ten-year-old property and then you're going to own it for another twenty years, what you've done is you've inherited uh, a slightly depreciated property. So you're going to have to start replacing things like appliances and uh, roofs and the hot water heaters and the the fences. So when you Buy a brand new property, uh, and I'm a little bit biased because I own a home building company and we sell new homes to investors. So I, I do have that built-in bias as a disclosure, but I really believe in it because if you buy a brand new property and you hold it for ten years, you might escape ever having to pay uh, to replace any of those major capital items. And so you you paid for them up front in the purchase price and a small premium, but you've done it with financing, right? And I would rather get into a property and have everything is new and hassle-free for the first decade of ownership, then to buy something old, because I've done this, you buy something old and then it's like every six months you got to write another check and you got to keep investing into that property. After 10 years, I think you're going to have spent about the same amount of money, but when you buy new, you are able to finance it and so your ROI is is higher, your leverage is better because you were doing um, all of those improvements by new rather than doing those improvements with after-financed capital.
1: All right. It's time for the best ever lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First, a quick word from our wonderful best ever sponsor. Best ever listeners, it's 2015. And wouldn't you like to simplify the landlording process and automate it as much as possible while making more money along the way? It's a landlord's dream, right? With online rent payments, applications, and secure credit reports, Cozy makes being a landlord incredibly easy. And best of all, It's completely free. Sign up for Cozy at cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Okay, David, best ever book you've read. Think
0: and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I didn't actually understand the book when I read it. And you can actually just take the title. And if you really digest the title, that's the entire book. But until I had read that book and really pondered on the concept... Uh, I didn't realize that I it was my own impediment to getting rich, just my own mindset. And once I changed my mindset, I got rich. When I meet people without uh, a lot of wealth, I, that's their usually their biggest obstacle is not capital or knowledge, it's their own ability and belief in themselves.
1: One of the classics. And best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it?
0: Uh, Jim Rohn, who's unfortunately uh, deceased. He uh, produced an amazing event in about the, the 2000 era. And uh, it is on DVD and, and uh, CD. And it was a, gr- a great collection of uh, Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy and Dennis Waitley and Zig Ziglar. They got together for a conference in Anaheim at the two or three day event And really powerful collection of audio and just listening to that audio every day on my way to work. I had an hour a day commute and just listening to that every day. I think that's what made me rich is just the ideas and the belief in myself and the reprogramming my mind to stop thinking like a consumer and to start thinking like an entrepreneur, to stop thinking like someone who is stuck in the rat race and someone who realized that being out of the rat race was just a matter of changing my attitude and changing my behaviors and changing the, the people I associated with. Jim Rohn, uh, Dennis Waitley, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, great audio programs. You can find them on, on YouTube.
1: Is it a particular package program that people can buy or is it just one-off audios that you've accumulated?
0: You know, it is a package program and I forget what it's called, but if somebody wanted to email me uh, I I could look it up and and send them the actual, the actual name of it.
1: Yeah. I'll go ahead and put it in the show notes as well. And we'll, we'll include that. So the best ever listeners can, can check it out. And so selfishly I can buy that (laughs) (laughs) best ever success habit you practice. Keeping
0: lists. There is a software program called Workflowy and it's a free app and I can have it on my phone and I can share lists with other people and anytime I want to think of something, I put it on my Workflowy because I can put it on my phone. And then if I want to share that list with somebody, uh, it's a way of organizing thoughts, a way of uh, creating accountability uh, with our team. And uh, oftentimes I'll create discussion lists where if I want to talk to somebody about something, I'll make a list uh, and then share it with that person. And then when we meet, uh, I haven't forgotten about you know, what we're going to talk about and we can track our progress on, on that. So work, Workflowy.com, free app.
1: F-L-O-W-E-Y?
0: Yeah, work, F-L-O-W-Y.
1: F-L-O-W-Y, workflow. I'll check that out too. Yep, free app. Best ever deal you've done?
0: Uh, I bought some land that was worth about, uh, let's just say a million dollars. And I was able to pick it up for about $500,000 and get a bank loan for $600,000 against that land. And so I was able to put uh, $100,000 in my pocket and have an asset that was worth substantially more than my bank loan and then eventually sold that land in pieces for the market value.
1: Wow, and how'd you come across the land that was worth about a million but acquired it for half of that?
0: Uh, I was meeting with my banker about the financing of a medical office building that I was syndicating and the banker saw on my application That I own a home building company, and they said uh, we want you to check out this bank-owned subdivision that we we took back, and so I did, and I liked it, and I didn't really want to buy it. That's one of the keys, maybe, for getting great pricing on things is not to be married to the deal so that you overpay. (laughs) So I made them the I don't really care about your deal offer price, and I think I offered them probably. Four hundred thousand or forty cents on the dollar, and and they came back at um, you know, you know, sixty cents on the dollar. And then I knew we that they were. I smelled blood on the table. (laughs) I knew they were ready to deal when they were willing to let it go that that cheap. So then we we put a deal together.
1: Best ever quote:
0: Help enough other people get what they want in life, and you can have everything in life that you want. And that's a a paraphrase of a a quote that I heard from uh, the great Zig Ziglar.
1: Zig Ziglar. I live and breathe that quote. That's one of my mantras. That that one and the other two ones that are very similar to that is uh, the secret to living is giving by Tony Robbins. Uh, he said that during TED Talk, and I'm I'm sure he he might have got that from someone else. And then um, I I just my mind just went blank. Um, love that quote. And what does it mean to you?
0: It means always being of service. Uh, be of service to people. It's never about deal, it's always about the people. And if you can focus on what people need from a transaction, then you can look for the benefits that they're looking for, and then try to uh, bring those benefits to those, those people. Because, you know, they always say, you know, every transaction is win-win. And at first, when I was new to real estate, I was like, how can it be win-win? Because when this guy pays less, this guy, pay you know, gets less. So it was a zero-sum uh, game. But then I realized that people are looking for a different set of benefits in every transaction, right? One person might sell because they want a lump sum of income, and the other person might buy because they're looking for an income stream. And those are different set of benefits. One person might want to get out of the hassle of management. The other person might want to get into the hassle of management because they're trying to create value-add. value What's value
1: the biggest mistake you've made in real estate?
0: Not uh, – carefully acquiring cash flow assets or, or losing sight of cash flow because when you're in a down market like we experienced in 2008 i was very equity heavy i had a lot of equity and made equity in my portfolio very heavy into california bay area properties that uh, i thought were just going to go up in price forever but in fact uh, didn't had i the cash flow to hold on to that, that portfolio I could have held it indefinitely because properties will eventually go up if given enough time. But not having sufficient cash flow on the property, eventually I ran out of reserves and had to let those properties go prematurely. I had to let them go before it was their time.
1: And David, what's the best ever place to reach you? The
0: best ever place to reach me is online at my website, hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com. Or you can email me, david at HassleFree. Cashflowinvesting.com or toll free at 866 931 9149, extension one.
1: And there's a rumor about an ebook that you'd like to give away to the best ever listeners.
0: That is true. I've written uh, several ebooks and uh, they're available for free on my website. And when you go to my website, hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com, there should be a pop-up window that comes up inviting you to download my free ebook, Castle Free Cash Flow Investing. There's also a, a list of ebooks and videos that are all free, tons and hours and hours and hours, probably a hundred hours or more of free investor training on my site.
1: Thank you so much, David, for joining the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about you know the cash flow, and you know one of the takeaways I got from this and reinf- reinforcements is the cap rate should exceed the interest rate on your property. Period. I mean, <laughs> that is it's it's so practical, and some piece some investors might be like, "Yeah, I know that," but it's different to know something intellectually. And then, but then actually reinforce it over and over in our minds because there are so many different types of opportunities and shiny objects out there. And when we have that mind, mindset of cash flow, then we're always going to end up on, or most likely we're going to end up on the positive side of things. And also making the distinction between the passive investor versus the quit your day job Active investor. And I do think that there are cash flowing opportunities for the quit your day job active investor, but it does require more work to get to that point. And the value add play can be tremendously more, but as with anything, you put a lot more work into it, generally speaking. So thank you so much, David, for joining our show, and we'll talk to you soon. Congratulations on a great show.
0: Hey, you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.